0: You're listening to the Empowering People More podcast with Eddie Perez.
1: I'd like to welcome everybody to the Empowering People More podcast with a very special guest, uh, a gentleman that I've gotten to know extremely well, uh, appreciate a lot of the things he stands for and what he does out there. And more importantly, I think he is one of the big leaders up and coming in the industry, especially how the industry is changing Given what's going on in these, uh, we'll say, interesting times, I'd like to welcome Anthony Casa. Anthony, thank you for being here, brother.
0: Thank you. Thank you, uh, EPM, as well, for uh, letting me be part of this. No, definitely. You know, and one thing we always like about this
1: podcast is we like to bring people that I think are living the virtue of empowering people, really lifting others up, really looking at things more of a holistic. Because I do believe that collective way of lifting others up is not only what benefits the industry industry, but benefits all consumers. Um, You know, Anthony, I know you got in the business uh, in two thousand
0: three. How was it then, and does it compare to anything like now? Well, I—I I mean, the industry has the industry has changed massively since then. But I would say the culture within the industry, I think, is so much better than it was back then. Two thousand three, it was like the wild, wild west. There were no rules, and the barrier to entry to be a loan officer and to be a successful loan officer was like non-existent. After the housing crisis, you know, there is a barrier to entry now. Um, The business that you're doing is going to be higher quality. Like, there isn't any easy money. And right now, specifically, there's definitely no easy money. So, (laughs) I would say the industry as a whole has a much better culture than it had back in
1: 2003. Uh, You know, I agree. Um, What are some of the shifts you've seen in the culture, Um, besides the easy product, you know, what are some of the shifts, especially like when you were first an originator, how you morphed into different roles and what that pertains to today?
0: I think the majority of the I mean, I started in direct to consumer. I still think today direct to consumer is a pretty transactional business model uh, for the most part. You mean no knock against the people that are in that channel? Obviously, it's a, it's a it's a very important channel to have. Um, but it's more refi driven and the purchase market and the loan originator the you know distributed lo that's you know in the broker channel and the retail channel that's a relationship driven model whether it's the relationships they have with their referral sources or the relationships they have with their branch manager and their companies it's very heavy on relationships so i definitely think that's the most important thing that there is out there today is 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 the fact that people care about relationships
1: yeah no i and I think it's safe to say that now relationships are, are, are doing a little bit of a comeback. Yes. So uh, tell us, you know, you go from 03, 2011, you start, you know, garden at like,
0: you know, I, I would say at that point, we're coming out of the housing crisis. Everybody that I had worked with outside of uh, the Justin, who I, who is somebody that I worked with since I got in the business, who was my partner in garden state home loans, everybody, Else had not made it past the financial crisis. Like you know, it was just like ninety-five percent of people just didn't survive. So it was a whole new world. And like for us, our big epiphany because before the crisis, we thought we were riding high and we were the kings of the world. And the market, you know, showed us the the reality that we were we weren't the wave. We were just riding the wave. Um, On the other side of it, we said, you know, reputation's everything. We need to focus on relationships. And at the end of the day, the most important thing uh, for us is to be in a position where no matter what happens with a lender, that we can pivot, have other options, because when lenders were going out of business before the crisis, like you just ran out of options, basically. So we focused on that, and that's how we built our whole business, and and it uh, it was very successful for us. Uh, but it was a small business. We had we never had more than 50 team members. We we were able to, you know, get up to a really good amount of volume. But we ran it like a small business. It was never kind of meant for like any type of scale.
1: Gotcha. And then at one point, weren't you guys like the largest broker
0: in America? Yeah, in, tw- in 2016 we were number one in the country, so we did 1.7 billion uh, in, in total volume that year. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it, even to this day, you know, the Garden State Home Loans, even though I left in 2018, you know, they're still, you know, last year they probably did close to you know 1.7, 1.8 billion. So they've they've got a great model, and it it, it works.
1: What type of model are they still running?
0: So I would say they're probably. Seventy percent direct to consumer and thirty uh, percent just like kind of outside loan officer purchase focused, um, but you know the, you know for 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 all, what it's worth, they it does so well in the refi markets that if you even it out over when rates go up, it's still amazing. Like 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 you know it's just one of those things where like when times are good, they really really know how to step on the gas, um, and and I think there's a uh, there's a lot of positive to that that model.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, your newest venture. You know how that this came about, what you see in the future, and maybe even some thoughts of just uh, these turbulent times. For you know, we're going as as we discussed today. What has happened to the ten year and MBSs? And give us a little bit of that snapshot.
0: Well, you know, the the concept behind the business model was for you, Mortgage was really like I looked at and I talked to. A lot of loan originators, all I've done for the last three years prior to this when I was at AIM was talk to retail loan originators and brokers. And I understood that there was these pain points that both sides had. The retail guys had robust support, strong companies, and they really liked all that, but they wanted, you know, lower margins and more control. So, you know, everybody, everybody wants their cake and wants to eat it too. So like, you know, they, they, they didn't want to pay the premium um, and they thought the premium was too expensive and they want to control and autonomy and and better pricing. Then on the broker side, they had no support because, you know, they're, you know, they're all running small businesses. So they have no HR, they have no back office, they have no infrastructure, uh, but they had price and they had control and they love that, but they didn't like the fact that they didn't have any support. So where we're trying to fit into as a business model is we kind of look at it and say, you know, we want to be a hybrid. We want to be in a position where we are building scalable infrastructure that doesn't have to be decentralized. Um, and like, you know, you have some branches of retail companies that have like operations in their branch and marketing in the branch and all that stuff. We want to bring it all to one centralized location and support all of our LOs across the country. So we're trying to keep our costs down so we can have that attractive pricing, provide the control and autonomy. Um, and the support um, at a reasonable price uh, point, which it's worked very, very well for us. I think this market is very favorable for what we're doing. Um, but of course, there's challenges, uh, you know, in, in, in every, for every participant right now.
1: <laughs> Talk about some of those challenges, you know, because you're, you're on the forefront. So you have a certain knowledge, especially if you're in the recruiting game, you do get to hear a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I would say the challenges right now is the for a lot of LOs, I mean, you know, a lot a lot of retail LOs today were brokers before 2008, and and yeah. you know, if you really just kind of think about what happened after 2008, there was a migration from broker to like the non bank lenders, and a lot of those guys still have like you know, kind of the the scars I would say from that time period where their businesses just completely went away overnight and their lenders went away overnight. So the trust and the uh, confidence in the wholesale channel isn't really there uh, for a high percentage of them. Like that's the number one thing we we have to kind of get through is, hey, you know, is this lender going to be reliable? How do you know your turn times are going to happen? How do you know that you can get the closing package there on time? So a lot of it is just simply this fear over operations, which is something that you know I think because we have so many good loan originators here that do produce real numbers, we use them as ambassadors, uh, and that helps. But, you know, the other pain points that I see right now is just, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of situations that just have poor cost structures. So like we'll talk to a a retail branch or a branch of a company that, you know, they have a lot of operations in their branch. And when we sit there and we go through the numbers, it's like the numbers don't make sense. (laughs) They don't add up Um, where like, you know, we try to tell them like, hey, man, like you got to cut this, you got to cut that. You know, the lenders does this for you and we have the people that will do this for you. But like you can't bring all these people with you. And that's where the 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 friction is. Is like some of those people are starting to realize, like, oh, you know, I built my business around this support structure, and it only works in this high margin environment. So, I think some some a reality check is probably coming to you know some folks over the next year when it when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and maybe also you know, and I think this is something that you're touching upon. You can elaborate a little bit more on possibly is that. Some of this uncomfort is some people are probably gonna have to take a, a a smaller piece of the pie, but that doesn't mean it it doesn't grow larger. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I, I think that's the single biggest thing that I've had to overcome with with certain people. The the LO's that are here today. Majority of our LOs have come from the broker channel, and we we have about eighty LOs as of today, and these are guys that were hundred million plus producers uh, in some cases that came from the broker channel, and they came here knowing that they were going to give up a large percent, not a large percentage, a larger percentage of the pie to be part of what we're doing, but you know they had come from a place where they were working, they had no work life balance because they didn't have any infrastructure. Um, when it was two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, they needed a pre-approval. Like they had to run back to the office and leave their kids game. Like all that stuff really kind of hit the point where they said, you know, it, the juice is worth the squeeze for me to give up a little bit more, sure. but have a life and have infrastructure. I think on the other side of it, on the retail side, I think that same reality is starting to come into grips, which is, Hey, listen, like, you know, there's a lot of talk about different models within retail right now, and it's all focused on who can give me the most. But getting the most isn't always the best. It's not, it's not, it's not going to turn out to be the, the best for the consumer. It's not going to turn out to be the best for your team. Um, and to be honest with you, it, it, ultimately, it could turn out to you being just kind of this mercenary where every year you're shopping your, your platform around for uh, the next year's pay. Yeah, no,
1: it's interesting times that we're a pawn of. Um, what are some hidden opportunities that others aren't paying attention to? I
0: think I think there's a couple. I think right now, the now is the best time to be a loan originator, I think, ever. And I really, really mean that because the last two years have done something very disruptive to loan originators, which is between COVID not letting people leave their houses and go to closings and do all that stuff, and then the fact that rates were so low that people actually focused on refi. Um, it's, you, you have a lot of people that just have not been out there in front of their relationships, in front of real estate agents, in front of financial planners, And we've kind of conditioned all of our people to go to open houses. Like we make that a part of the mandatory way of of going out and getting business and, It's funny because a couple of years ago, I would have said, that's a waste of time. These people already have loan originators that they're working with. It's not today. It's a lot of these people are looking for a partner. They're looking for somebody to develop a relationship with. So I I think the barrier to entry for an an NLO that wants to go out and build their business right now is unbelievably low. And I think this is a great time for them. I think the other thing that's a real opportunity is, depending upon what you're looking to grow, whether it's operations people or, or loan originators. There's a lot of both that are looking for a new home, um, whether you know voluntary or involuntary. There's a lot of great operations people out there that you know are are looking for a job, and and we've been able to you know get in touch with some of those people. And a year ago, I couldn't find a processor. This year, we 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 have too many, um, and we're very happy about that. But on the loan originator side, everybody's you know shopping around. Everybody's looking for their, their 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 home, and and I do think there's a great opportunity if you're looking to build a team of great local loan originators to build that team. Sure, do you think
1: on the origination side, they're looking uh, because they feel like the leadership's not behind them? What do you think besides the market, what is that missing piece that they're you know you listen to hear what's not said, but you hear through the
0: actions yeah i i i i I think I have a pretty good pulse on this at this point, and I would tell you that. It all comes down to trust. And and I talk to loan originators at all ends of the spectrum as, you know, the top 1% of the yellows, top 1% of the top 1%, and all the way down to the guy who's just trying to make it. And the people that are looking right now, for the most part, haven't they're in a company that doesn't have a culture of trust. And, you know, they hear a lot of things and there's not a lot of transparency around these things. Like, hey, if I'm a loan originator that's crushing it for a company and I hear my company just gave a... A huge signing bonus to an LO that's doing half my production, you know, you're going to feel a little like, wait, did I just pay for that guy's signing bonus? Like, you know, what's going on here? So there's no transparency, and I think my I, I know how hard it is to be transparent in our business because of the fact that, like, you know, once you open Pandora's box, it's open, and like, you know, it's hard to put it away. But at the same time, people are fair. People understand that there's a cost to doing business, like. I, my 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 thing is like I'm gonna be very transparent with you know my los because I want them to know a if we're not making money for sure I want them to know that b if we if we if if we are making money I want them to show the investments I'm making back in my company um, and I think they'll see how hard I'm working and that I should be making money but you know I would say trust is a big one and and I I I'm shocked at how few companies have built a culture of trust with their los. Do you think it's more rooted in the Pandora's box, as you were saying? I think it's Pandora's box. And then I think that for just knowing a lot of a lot of people in leadership in our industry, I think a lot of the, you know, the 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 issue does come down to leaders don't talk to their LOs about the realities of their business. <laughs> like right now, they if I'm a leader in this business, I would be sitting there saying, Hey, here's why I can't do a signing bonus or, or, or retention bonus. Like I would be very transparent about the economics um, you know I, I, I don't know I, I, think, I think it's an opportunity for a company with strong leadership that's engaged to build, it can't all be on just the CEO it has to be on the you know the head of capital markets, the head of every department to participate in defining the why and it's very challenging but I do think it can be pulled off. Gotcha
1: are you seeing I mean I hear about them but I, I know you're seeing it. What are you seeing? Is probably a better way I could put it when it comes to sign-on bonuses and everything.
0: You know, I, I would say things are definitely changing over the last 30 days. As rates have like skyrocketed, but at you know Q4 uh, beginning of this year, 2022, like I have seen people that have gotten the biggest signing bonus or retention bonus that I've confirmed with an LO is 18 million dollars, and that was one person. Oh. Yeah, so that was a, a, how much very, production were they doing? You know, this is I, I, I if if I say the numbers, it'll give. It oh away, no, no, so no, I can't, no, I, I can't, I can't say. No, 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 don't. No,
1: no, just keep going.
0: Apologies, but there, there's, there's, there's a there, there's definitely um, a price war going on, and I think right now what we're what we probably saw in wholesale in 2017 and 2018 when in wholesale there was this whole price war and you know Rocket and UWM and all these companies were going down the you know that rabbit hole. In in retail, we're seeing a price war for loan officers. The only difference is when you're in a price war for loans, it stops the minute that you, like your economics stop the minute that you are done doing that price play. In retail, you're cannibalizing the next couple of years of profitability. Like it'll be years before they're profitable on some of these loan officers because they paid 100 basis points on their 2021 production or 2020 production, which was the best year ever. So, there's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. There's, you know, there's part of me that looks at it and says like the people that are betting big and that are really aggressive, they're going to be super big and they're going to have a lot of LOs. Um, and that's great. I just don't know how much the cost structure can support, you know, all these signing bonuses for over a sustainable period of time. Do
1: you feel that some of them may tax it on the back end 90, 180, whatever days later?
0: I think that I think that's the only way that the economics make sense. Like, 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 realistically speaking, they have to build it into their pricing. The question right now is, will the pricing even allow you to build it? Like, do you, like, are these guys just going to be in a position where, in order to get their, whatever rate they want to see, they got to charge a point to the consumer, or two points to the consumer, because there's only so much you know love to go around.
1: And, and you bring up a great point. Right now in the market. It's going to be a very uncomfortable period because originators can't just make it on the back. There are a lot of loans, as we know, and you can go look at the the Ginny May four and a half, the Ginny May five, the you know the fannies. The yields very low because the bondholders have spoken about the the rate. yeah prepayment speeds. So people are going to have to get used to selling books right now, and they're not used to having to justify fees. Especially since sellers don't have to give credits right now, um, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Are you? What are some thoughts that you're seeing on that? How are people digesting that? I really? think
0: I, I think the, the the cream of the crop, like the, the the people that are loan officers that have been doing this their career, that have always been purchase centric. I don't think those guys are going to even flinch. And 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 I've I've spoken to a lot of them over this period of time. And and a lot of those guys, like when I talk about when we when we compare pricing, like they're like Anthony. Nobody's even shopping me around like it, the consumer in some markets don't control the market the real estate agents do because there's so many buyers so like those guys don't mind charging the, the point or whatever whatever they have to do to get to their park um, it's the bottom guys that struggle it's the guys that have lived off of no cost you know giving a, a rate that with a credit. And, and I think the market cycle is going to be very challenging for the bottom 25% of the yellows in each channel because those, those guys are, are going to have a tough time adapting. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they behave.
1: Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's, it's interesting times with what we're seeing in, in the, the behaviors um, and, and everything of that nature. Uh, you know, maybe a couple more points, but one big one because I, I think this is an interesting evolution given the market. Not that it goes away, but how does the refi consumer to direct model do right now, given the immense pressures on them?
0: I think that it, it's interesting. Like, uh, I mean, we're seeing what better.com. I mean, I'm actually hiring for a couple uh, LOs that are like kind of consumer direct, because we have all of our loan officers are mostly licensed in one state and we're licensed nationally. So they generate a lot of referrals outside their state. So we want to have a, a team inside that they refer those loans to that we can that have a lot of licensing. But the amount of those LOs that are out of work right now is ma- like it's huge. Like those guys are getting laid off by the thousands. I think that what, what we're going to see here is that it's going to be a really rough stretch And the companies with the biggest servicing platforms will be positioned well consumer direct wise in the future because they can't, like, kind of, they can only downsize their platform so much uh, because they have to uh, manage that servicing book. Um, But but the other people that are going to cut to the bone, it's going to create a barrier to entry to the next refi market, which is going to be a really healthy refi market if you think about where rates are at today and their ramp up time. Is going to be way behind the, the, the big servicers like Mr. Cooper and Freedom and PennyMac. So, I, I think all, all these things, all it does is create barriers to entries for the little guys. And to me, if, uh, if you're a middle-tier player, if you're able to just kind of build that infrastructure, not have too much cost, but like have the technology in place, have the leaders in place, have the training in place so that you can you know scale up quickly in the future market, then you'll be positioned for success. But if not, it's going to be a big barrier to entry.
1: I mean, we definitely have seen the, the rate term game is gone, but I, I think, at least in my opinion, I think consumer, you know, direct-to-consumer is going to have a real Armageddon almost. It's not going away for sure, but it's going to have a really tough stretch. Right.
0: I agree. Lead, lead costs have gone through the roof, and, and reality is in a purchase transaction, there's, I don't want to say zero, but there's almost 0% chance in this market with how hot real estate is that a listing agent's going to accept a pre-approval from a LO that's not local, and they can't hang them out to dry if they're repu- if, if something goes wrong.
1: Sure. you know, Definitely consumer model. They may have some thoughts. Yes. The, <laughs> the, the uh, transaction and all that. So that's some good. What are any parting shots? Any other thoughts you have? Any crazy, you know, predictions, you know, let's have some fun. With it.
0: I, I, I'll say I got two things here and you're kind of one of the people that have inspired me on this is like, I'm definitely as an organization getting heavily involved in NAREP and Namba. Like I think right now, because of the average age of the LO being, you know, in its, in the early fifties, I think there's just a big opportunity for younger, uh, you know, organizations to come up there. So that's one thing I would heavily recommend for people to get more engaged in, in the national trade associations. And you know, parting shots would be, you know, I, I think that my one thing I would tell LOs is like, stop, get, you know, do your due diligence. You know, like don't, you know, stop, like, you know, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, like it's probably a duck. Like. Sometimes it is too good to be true, and, and I just saw, you know, when I get these calls from LOs that went to companies, and six months later, they call me, and they're like, I can't believe this. This is what my rates look like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, we, you know, why didn't you talk to LOs on the front lines? If you're, if you're talking to a recruiter about this, like, you're going to get a bunch of, you know, they just want to get you in the door. So, you know, the 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 aligning with people that you can trust that have a track record of trust is so important in, in this business, and I, I can't I can't put any higher value on that.
1: Yeah, and I definitely think you know my parting shot would be. Uh, do the transparency and the homework on how the interest rates are calculated. It's, it's a pretty basic formula that's out there. It's nothing as crazy as it sounds too complicated um, outside of maybe moving a servicing value a little higher and taking that type of risk, but it's still very, very open. So uh, definitely Anthony, thank you so much for your, your conversation here. And you gave a lot of great details. I think this will be very important to the industry, very important to other originators and even as I'm a firm believer, even to our brethren and other industry leaders that run and own mortgage companies, because as something you and I have always discussed, we're not really big believers in competitors. Competitor is the best version of yourself in the mirror. uh, I'd say anywhere from two, four, five, whatever number you put there. But what's good for the industry is good for all consumers. So, Thank you for being a phenomenal leader, uh, Anthony. Thank you for everything you're doing for the industry and uh, bringing a lot of that radical transparency and candor, even though at times some folks uh, don't want to hear it. And I understand it's, it's, it's a some <laughs> time, so I, I totally get it. So,
0: Well, I, I appreciate so the opportunity and I appreciate everything EPM is doing uh, in all those areas. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful for the partnership. Obviously, uh, we're, we're strengthening our partnership and I'm looking forward to it. And I think uh, for both our companies, we have uh, nothing but very positive uh, success ahead of us.
1: I agree. Thank you so much, Anthony. Be well. Have a great day. You too.